Sego, Sebo Guego. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to our Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast, focusing on Haudenosaunee cultural topics recorded on Haudenosaunee territory. Our podcasts are produced by Aboriginal Legal Services with the technical assistance of Humble Man Recording. My name is Lisa Venevery from the Mohawk Nation and the Wolf Clan. I'm the coordinator of the Yohate Negasuna Road to Your Name program and the host of this podcast. Welcome to the Ohate Negasuna Road to Your Name podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our new website at www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word donate located on the bottom of the page of our newly updated website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services Toronto, Canada. This episode was recorded by telephone. There has been a lot of attention on the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada, but not much attention is given to the subject of missing and murdered Indigenous men. Today's guest is Jennifer Mount Pleasant, who has done some work on the subject of missing and murdered Indigenous men. Jennifer is from Six Nations of the Grand River and is an educator, writer who has previously worked in the justice field. Welcome, Jennifer. It's so great for um, us to talk with you today. And it's so great for you to talk with us today. How are you? I'm okay, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Oh, great. Um, so I mentioned in the intro that not much attention has been on missing and murdered Indigenous men, but I know you've done a lot of research on that. So can you just uh, share with us what brought you to be interested in this subject? So it was around August 2013 when I first started my database. And um, <clears throat> so just to um, go back a couple of years before that is when I first became aware of um, missing and murdered Indigenous women. And I spent the next couple of years being involved in that and advocating um alongside families for justice of the missing and murdered. And so the more I got involved with missing and murdered Indigenous women, I was, I kept coming across um, news articles about Indigenous men who were going missing and being murdered, but it didn't seem like anybody was paying a whole lot of attention to that. And it was it seemed like an issue that was being purposely ignored and I couldn't understand why. So <clears throat> the first thing that I wanted to know was, is there just as many missing and murdered Indigenous men as there was um, women? And um, so I just kind of wanted to know what those numbers were. I spent a couple of months um doing research on numbers and statistics and I really came up with nothing there was at that point nothing no research no database that was done on specifically missing and murdered indigenous men so it was around August 2013 where I decided 
that I was going to start that database. Mm. So, <clears throat> yeah. Is it so difficult from... to start a database? Is it difficult to do that? Um, it didn't. No, I don't think it was difficult. Um, when I first started, I just had two categories. I had missing and I had murdered. Um, the first few months of doing that research, I started to create more folders for my files. Um, I have currently have a total of nine folders. So another, some of the other folders I have that necessarily don't fit into missing and murdered are deaths that are, um, that were ruled like presumed or no foul play suspected or accidental because many times families believe that there was more to the more to the death than accidental or you know presumed drowned or um, you know presumed suicide and things like that so I I would say that was the hardest part of creating the database was creating these um, of these other uh, seven or so folders, um, figuring out how to label them and how to how to classify them and how to, you know, reading through the stories and the articles and how to decipher, okay, is this uh, missing? Is this a murdered? Or does this fit into one of the other categories? Mm-hmm. Oh. So, um, so you read articles and, and um, families helped you create the database? Um, I was contacted by a few families, not many, um, maybe five or six families at the most contacted me directly to, to tell me to share their stories and to give me permission to put their story into my database. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was mostly reading through online news articles and some police agencies have, um, have on their website um, pages for missing and murdered. So I spent a lot of time going through police databases as well. Oh, yeah. So how many would you um, say you collected in your database? Like how many um, names? Um, it's been a few years since I visited this database. I stopped working on it in 2015. Um, I think at that point, <clears throat> I probably had around 1,200 names in my database. Mm-hmm. That is a lot. I heard one. I heard one um, statistic about seventy-one um, percent of of Indigenous homicide victims in Canada are Indigenous men. That's a high that, statistic. That is correct, and I um, I I came across that same statistic as well. Hmm. Um, Sometimes when we hear statistics and maybe see graph charts in front of us, it really um, makes it more real than when we just hear about a subject, right? Yeah. Um, Statistics are really important sometimes. Um, So since 2000, what did you do with the work once you created it um, back in 2015? Um, I, I did a master's program in social justice and community engagement at Wilfrid Laurier University. 
And my major research paper was on violence against Indigenous men with the focus. The focus was my database. Mm -hmm. So I was able to, uh, with the help of my supervisor and her husband, who um, he was skilled in, in making charts and graphs, we were able to pull some of the numbers from my database and create these graphs and these charts and um <clears throat> we were um i was able to share that with the public mm-hmm. um but then after that i didn't i haven't done a whole lot with the database i've never put in more names um i never entered any more names i did write a book after that and my <clears throat> my database and my research on uh, missing and murdered indigenous men. Um, I, I had a whole, I have a whole chapter on that. Mm-hmm. So has this book now, this body of work become a resource for others that want to pick up this, um, this type of research? Uh, that's the goal. Um, like I have, I don't I have no way of knowing like who's using this research um, or how they're using it, but I hope that they're using it to help bring a, bring a more awareness to this mm-hmm. issue. Have throughout your work on it, have you, has um, any police services been interested in in what you are doing? I have never been contacted by any um police agency or any type of national agency um but that is one thing that i've always thought um especially after the i believe it was 2015 the rcmp kind of did their own research on missing and murdered indigenous women and they used the the database that the native women's association of canada had created specifically for mmiw Mm-hmm. And they were able to um, author and release a, a report mm-hmm. on this. Um, so it was always my hope that, you know, I, I hope that because the numbers are a lot higher, statistically higher for men, Indigenous men, uh, to go missing or be murdered um, than Indigenous women. I believe men, Indigenous men are three times more more likely to become victims of homicide or disappearances than Indigenous women. So I, I, I would really love it if a police agency <clears throat> such as the RCMP, um, who covers jurisdictions all across Canada, could, you know, pick this up and do their own research. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have, would have a lot more access to resources than, than I could. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, um, as of now, I haven't heard I haven't heard from anybody. Well, this work, it sounded like over the um, few years you did it, this work was very, um, you know, significant, but at the same time traumatizing. Did you feel that trauma as you worked on this? <clears throat> I I would say yes. Um, I experienced some vicarious trauma Um, I worked on this database myself. I was the only one who was um, reading the stories and inputting the names and the stories into my database. And I remember there was um, times where like I was working throughout the night on this. 
and you know sometimes those names and those stories um, are etched in your mind especially because you know there's so much violence um, behind these stories and and yeah so yeah, yeah. there was some child and that's part of the reason why I had to just kind of stop doing the research like I I stopped because I knew that you know I, I had enough to 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 know that the numbers are high for yeah. missing and murdered men so yeah um, and that was the goal of of doing the database yeah um we, as you did the research um were did it did the subject of residential school connection come up um a lot oh, yeah. yeah um well in news articles when you read about homicides you don't they won't say you know this man's parents went to residential school you kind of make those connections yourself yeah um you know doing further research and yeah like residential schools definitely played a role um plays a role in this epidemic um yeah for sure um and and still we hear today there's there's a lot more cases some of them high profile um, in the country as well. It, it doesn't seem to be stopping this epidemic. No, no, it's, it doesn't. And it's very unfortunate to have to keep reading these stories um, in the news, you know, like Colton Bushy um, mm -hmm. is one of the high, high profile cases. And just to, <clears throat> to, to hear how, how we passed away, um, you know, it was a completely preventable death that that never should have happened, and that's the and that's all too familiar with with almost all of these cases is that a lot of them were preventable. Oh yeah. Um, so now um, I know you worked in the justice field. What are you? What are you? doing now are you still involved in the justice field or or um what are your plans do you have plans for the for going back to this research doing something more with it in the future um i am definitely interested in <clears throat> keeping um keeping the memories of these victims alive and you know through advocating and fighting for justice. Um, I am no longer, <clears throat> I yes, I was working in the justice field, in criminal justice field. I'm not working in that area anymore. I'm now working in uh, more towards constitutional law, section 35 and duty co to consult with indigenous people. But I think that my heart is is in the criminal justice field and um, and especially working with families and you know help <clears throat> help bring more awareness to to this issue because <clears throat> you know like I started this research in 2013 um, on specifically in raising awareness on violence against Indigenous men and so that was like eight years ago and. You know, not a lot has changed since then. Like, people still don't want to talk about missing and murdered Indigenous men, and I'm not sure why that is. Um, 
so I think we we still you know there has to be somebody that's going to you know carry this torch until you know it's no longer needed you know this these are this that this is an issue that everybody needs to know about oh yeah and be familiar with yeah for sure well um how are you been doing in the pandemic jennifer i'm doing good i struck (laughs) i struggled a little bit at first um back when everything was you know everybody we all thought it was the end of the world kind of thing and but i'm pretty much used to it now and i actually don't mind it like it's a lot more peace peaceful and quiet um Mm-hmm. I get to, I'm working from home right now, so I don't mm-hmm. mind that either. So oh, yeah. I'm doing good. Yeah. I think solitary people that, that are used to being <laughs> solitary uh, have been doing much better. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, what else was there that I wanted to ask you? There's there's so much that we could talk about today. I know. Yeah. I know. Um my mind is just, oh there was something I was going to say but now my mind is just going um blank um let me see is there anything you'd is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up um something that I always like to mention whenever I get the opportunity to speak on my database and research is <clears throat> um you know a lot of people don't know that Sorry, I'm just flipping through my book here. There's a lot of people that aren't aware that there are entire Indigenous families who are missing or who have been murdered. Um, And this is why I think it's so important. Um, You know, we... It's important to know that the reasons why um, Indigenous women are being killed are different than... Uh, Indigenous men, like with Indigenous women, it's more sexualized violence, like they're being targeted, um, they're being sexually assaulted, and then they're being killed. And and that's so important to understand that, whereas Indigenous men, um, you know, it's more, there's a lot of Indigenous men are killing Indigenous men. um, And that's a, a theme that I found. Um, like there's a lot of gang violence and and things like that. But something that I always like to to dis- to discuss when I'm speaking on this is that there are indigenous families who have gone missing, who are still missing, um, and who have been murdered. And one in particular um, is the Jack family, and they are. Um, Ronald Jack, Doreen Jack, and their sons, Russell and Ryan. So they went missing in Prince George, British Columbia in 1989, and they have not been seen since. And um, and the police, I do believe the police suspect foul play. So um, I think around the time they went missing, the police believed they were murdered. Um, so that's why I think it's important <clears throat> sometimes that um, that when we discuss missing and murdered and like it's sometimes you have to bring missing and murdered indigenous women and men together because they're they're being murdered together and they're going missing mm-hmm. together and I, I have a lot of other examples of um, entire families 
Indigenous families that have gone missing or have been murdered across Canada over the, the past few decades. Yeah, you're right. We don't hear anything about those kind of stories. Right. I, I read the news all the time and I can't even remember reading something like that. Yeah, like there's also a, and I believe they're Inuit family of five or six that went missing and I was so lucky to find that article because that's after doing like hours and hours of research, there's only one article on that. And, and that, is, that is just baffling mm -hmm. because this is an entire family that went missing. And why is there only one article that's really hard to find on the Internet? Yeah. And, you know, there should be like a cold case department or something that looks into all of these things yeah like specifically indigenous mm -hmm. um homicides and disappearances i totally agree well there's a lot we all know in the indigenous world that there's lots of work to do left to do in justice for sure yeah that's for sure mm -hmm. well i would really like to say nyawe to you jennifer today for joining us and jennifer's been joining us remotely um she's on six nations of the grand river territory as well and um we did this interview remotely today so nyawe jennifer for joining us on our um road to your name podcast no problem it was a pleasure okay onigiwahi Nyawe, thank you for listening to this episode of the Yohate Negasunha, The Road to Your Name podcast, which has been produced by Aboriginal Legal Services and hosted by me, Lisa Van Every. There are 10 episodes in this podcast series. Let's meet again on the next episode. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our new website at www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word donate located on the bottom of the page of our newly updated website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services Toronto, Canada. This has been the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast series. Yeah.